Welcome to the Start of Grind podcast. Starting a company is not for the faint of heart. You're always questioning, 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 tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. Where we talk to entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and thought leaders about how to build a great company. Like my friends, like you think you're crazy. I think you gotta be a little nuts. And change the world in the process. We optimize for impact instead of profit. It's never been a more exciting time to be an entrepreneur. From Startup Grind chapters across the globe. The chapter director for Cape Town. Boise, Idaho. London. Mala, Palestine. Guangzhou, China. And delivered to you every Monday and Wednesday. It's a Startup Grind. Hey there and welcome to Wednesday's episode of the Startup Grind podcast. Today we have a chat with Rod Drury, who is the founder of the popular accounting software Zero. He's been recognized as the New Zealand Entrepreneur of the Year in 2013, Business Leader of the Year in 2012, member of the New Zealand High Tech Hall of Fame, the New Zealand High Tech Entrepreneur of the Year, World Class New Zealander for ICT in 2008, and an honorary fellow of the New Zealand Computer Society. Zero has also recently been ranked number one by Forbes in his list of the world's 100 most innovative growth companies. Zero was also recently valued at close to $2 billion. Let's listen into Rod, interviewed by Startup Grind Melbourne Chapter Director Chris Juno. That's an in Wow! Hmm. You know, so, you know, you kind of learn these tricks. And then the interesting thing was, so then we did that, and then we had a, so we had a price negotiate, and they eroded price all the way through the deal, through the due diligence. And then, so we were the smartest guys in town for about five minutes. And then um, I was on the board of Trade Me, and we sold, sold that for um, uh, 600 million Australian, actually. And that was about six or eight weeks later. So all of the experience we had with... Um, selling uh, Aftermail was able to apply directly to Trade Me. And Trade Me was interesting because at that time, uh, David Kirk had just come in as the Kiwi and for him to go and write a big check to a New Zealand company, which everyone was like, holy, that's a big number, um, uh, Packer would have, um, would have screwed the deal. So what we did is we uh, flipped the deal around. So if you, you do different strategies if you're buying or selling companies. So what we did was we said, look, these are our numbers. Um, we'll warranty them within a certain amount. You guys give us a binding signed offer from the board, and then that's done. And then, then you do due diligence. And if there's anything that's outside of those warranties, you can call it off. But we basically had deal certainty right from day one, so we didn't erode price at all. And we did that deal. And it actually ended up being the perfect deal because the guys had all their earnouts, and it was actually a good deal for Fairfax as well. It's plenty of time to fudge the books. Yeah. No, 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 not funding the books. It's just what we wanted to do was to um, just make sure we got the deal done. And if you're buying, what you'll do is you'll put an offer out there and you'll erode value because what will happen is um, everyone starts going down to the Porsche dealership and, uh, you know, kind of looking through the windows. They're emotionally, they've done the deal, then they've taken their eye off the ball, so the last month numbers come down and then all of that. So there's all these games you play when you're trying to buy somebody, and we'd sort of seen it all played back on us. So, you know, I think the good thing about this industry is you get experience, and you get to apply that experience really quickly, um, almost straight away. Um, before we continue, I just want to make sure that everyone can hear us okay from the back. Yeah? Okay. Um, so now you've, 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 you've got all this experience under your belt, and uh, sounds like a bit of money in the bank. Um, Zero, zero, zero time. We're at zero time right now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I made a big mistake. I didn't take a holiday. So I basically picked up my box and then walked across to uh, flat uh, four hundred four, flat not found. And um, there was four of us in a smelly apartment, and we got started. And was it uh, just an obvious gap in the marketplace? Was a problem? Oh, you said you didn't like MYOB. Yeah, no, we saw the pattern, and um, but it was never about um, accounting software. That was kind of 
the idea for about five minutes, what we saw was this massive transition of getting little bits of data uh, on PCs. It wasn't that interesting getting it into one centrally managed store. It just seemed like a once in a lifetime, um, once in a lifetime opportunity to be an important company that looks after a lot of data. And when was like I know you, the way I, I remember hearing the story, and I could have. I could be coming up here, but uh, you were actively chasing Craig Winkler, is that right? No, so we like, I like, I don't know if you guys watch Seinfeld, but I love the um, theory of the, uh, George, the, the George Costanza theory of management. If every instinct you have is wrong, doing the exact opposite must be right. So, um, so I've always done that. And uh, so when we first got started, I remember um, I flicked uh, Tim from MYAB a note and uh, came up to see him. It was down here, they had really flash offices. And uh, you know, I sort of wow, this is flash. And we like had probably a hundred customers then. And I went to see, hey Tim, yeah, we're just starting up zero. I thought I'd come and say hi. Happy in the job, you know, just uh, <laughs> you know, get under his skin, which was good. Yeah. And uh, that was quite fun. Um, and then when we saw that um, Craig was sort of getting managed out of NYOB, I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to get him on? So we, um, so I remember actually, I sort of made it known I was keen to chat to Craig. I didn't know his private email address. And I remember being at the beach one day, actually, and I um, uh, had an email from Craig Winkler, and I was like, yes! And then the same thing, so hey, uh, I'll come and see if it's going to do lunch on Tuesday in Melbourne. So again, take distance out of the equation, just turn up, arrive with some coffees. Um, he let me wave my arms around for about 90 minutes, and after I paused for a breath, uh, I said, so what would you do if you were me? At this point, we thought we might sort of, we needed about 8 million bucks, and he said, um, and he said back to me, I'd let me give you $25 million. I was like, what? And he said, I, th I think you're going to need more money. And I didn't kind of realize that then, and he was right, of course. Um, but then I realized also if he put in $25 million, he'd have more than me, so we talked him, talked him down a little bit. And, and then we ended up doing the deal. So we had a, a really nice twofer. Not only we had some money, but we had um, the founder of our biggest competitor now, um, you know, now on our books. And the cool thing is we've made more money for Craig than he made out of MYOB, which is very satisfying. So, uh, yeah, so Craig, Craig comes on board. Yep. Fantastic. Well, Craig comes on board. This is early days, Wellington, still four or five people. Oh, no, we're up to about, um, probably about, oh, I don't know, 30, 50 people by then. Wow. Yeah, so, so we, we IPO'd almost on day one. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, back then we needed, when I started Aftermath, we had about 23 staff to do zero properly, build accounting software. So, 10 developers, 10 testers, um, uh, people to sell it, um, you know, so people to count the money, all that sort of stuff. It adds up to about 50 people. So 50 people is about half a million bucks a month. And you know, I think we invested 20,000 to do um, to do aftermail. And and you know, if you you know, the, the way you get started is you fund these things off your mortgage. So if the if you know if if a government department doesn't pay their bill, you're kind of looking at your virtual CFO across the pillow at three in the morning, explaining the bank now owns another wing of the house. Um, but uh, so you know, so we were talking about spending half a million dollars a month. So you needed sort of maybe three years to build the code, and you're only getting a little bit of revenue every month. So the hard thing with SaaS is actually funding it. That's the hardest thing because um, you've got to build a you know a huge amount of code, and you don't get a lot of lumpy revenue up front like you do in the enterprise space. So you know half a million a month, three years, that's about fifteen million bucks. So at that time, uh, New Zealand's biggest VC deal, you know, we're pretty small over there. There's, there's only kind of about six of us. 
Um, biggest deal was like two to three million. So um, we needed more than that. And we probably, after doing Trade Me, we probably could have raised the money on the US West Coast, but with no revenue, we would have been, um, you know, had a valuation of 25, and so the VCs would have owned most of the business and it would have been uh, sold by now. So the only way that we could do zero was to tell a big story and float it as a public company from day one. So we banked our <coughs> reputations and, um, you know, put it out there, and, uh, and, and it actually worked. Thank goodness it worked, or we would have had to move to Mexico. But, um, uh, but it, no, it's all worked out really well. And actually, the, the initial 15 million we raised at 55 valuation, people thought we were criminals, um, you know, having no revenue and having a valuation of 55 million. We were saying, don't value us on what we have now, value us on the story, the team, the large uh, total addressable market, and that we have, you know, and, and um, our reputations and have a punt. This might work out really well. So we raised our first 15 million with 100 customers. You know, so kind of no, most of them would have had the surname of Drury, I suspect. Um, and then, uh, but we've raised now in total uh, over 310 million. Right. I, I know, I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, but can we well, go... Assume you are, because you're here. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. That's why I wanted to talk. Um, now, can we go back, like, just a little bit um, before we talk about, you know, uh, I guess after Craig and me. Um, but when did you know you wanted something big? When, when did you come into the office and go, oh, We've done it. When we hired Chris. <laughs> was it? Oh, because he was real, right? Chris was from Microsoft. He was like a real dude. Yeah. And we, we, we were just a bunch of well, uh, well-meaning amateurs. So when we got someone like Chris coming from Microsoft to help us run it. So, so, so doing New Zealand was easy. We were all kind of blood relatives. So we had to, um, they, they felt pretty obligated uh, to buy, to actually go and crack Australia. And to, for New Zealanders to, extract, to crack Australia, you have to do it with... I'm Australians, New Zealanders don't work over here. Um, oh, no, we do actually quite a lot, you know, we do some work. We don't get any benefits, but no. Um, is that awkward? No, it's good. Yeah, good. So, um, uh, so I think when Chris came on, and then we had like a real person driving the business, and I mean, when you came on, we only had like 10 people or something, if that, seven. And now we've got like 100 and, yeah, 160. Can you tell me about, I know the story, but I like to, I think it's a good one for the audience. About you hiring Chris, and um... yeah, so we um, uh, we we knew um, a guy that used to run Microsoft here, and flicked him a note, I think, from memory, and um, said, "Look, have you got any kind of um, any rock stars coming through?" He actually literally said, "Rock stars." Actually, we do have this guy that plays in the band, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we ended up with Chris. Yeah, he's actually quite good at sort of managing the business as well as singing, so that worked out quite well, really. And wasn't yeah. he out surfing or something as well? Yeah, I think he's done that. I've never actually seen him do that. He's got lots of pictures. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a photo. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris gets started in, in Australia. Yeah. Uh, you already had, I think, a 70% market penetration, something like that, in New Zealand? No, no, no. We're up to about, um, I think, a quarter of all New Zealand businesses run zero now, which is pretty cool. Right, well. And then. It's four. And then Chris, Chris gets started here. Um, I mean, I think I was talking to Chris and Zero very early days. It's like my first event, I think, was sponsored by Zero. So I knew that you guys were very, very much about empowering the startup community. Yeah, it sounds like he's throwing money around like a madman. He's going to get in trouble later, is he? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so how important was Australia and why wasn't it the US and... and um, um, Tell me about your growth in Australia. 
Um, I, you know, so all these things. So, so we, we've done, uh, we're in our fourth country now, right? So it's all, we've sort of seen the same playbook. So in the first, you know, um, I mean, you know, we haven't even finished the product yet. So, I mean, it's okay. Um, but we've, you know, we've got to finish it. Um, and it takes a long time because we're doing a whole lot of stuff. Um, so, you know, you start off with a, um, you know, almost like the minimum viable product. And uh, so I think in the, in the beginning, you're, t- you're selling the dream and the story. Um, and then you're trying to manufacture credibility. So for us, piggybacking, you know, we did a deal with Telstra really early on. Um, uh, you know, started working with the banks. So we'd got most of the New Zealand banks set to zero. So we started connecting to the Australian banks that gave us some credibility. Um, we did a good deal with the ANZ. That was a good one. So it's just a playbook for doing these things. The interesting thing about small businesses, you can't afford to sell to each one. And accounting software is really the only application we think that allows you to crack the small business market. So, because um, it, it has... Um, an accountant's channel. So if you, um, so you can afford to build a kind of like an enterprise sales model, and uh, it's very expensive in the beginning. But once you have the accountants on board, then your cost of customer acquisition drops, um, you know, quite 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 quickly. Uh, and then what we've seen is with the add-on ecosystem, once we have those customers in those channels, you know, a lot of our add-on ecosystem it doesn't have the resources we have, but they're able to sell in uh, behind us, which is awesome. So we're seeing you know over 350 now. Um, add-ons that connect to zero, and so there's a, there's only a few companies in a generation that'll you know have the few hundred million to be able to do the full platform. But what's really exciting is probably like the Ford factory in uh, Detroit. There'll be a bunch of other companies supplying and building services around the outside, and that's what's so exciting about what's happening with zero is all of the other smaller companies that don't need all of that capital because they don't need to market too much, they can just kind of follow us around. And we've seen some great Australian companies um, use that playbook. Well, how, how important, uh, well, I, I want to get onto Vend and Unleash and that kind of stuff uh, because they're big businesses in their own right, as you said, off the back of zero. Um, you know, I can't remember what I was going to say. Yeah, so I mean, we're really proud that we've seen we've seen a couple of um, of our ecosystem partners list behind us, uh, and we've seen um, some of them raise real money. I think Ben's raised eight to ten million so far. Uh, you know, maybe it's more. So you know, it's really starting to happen. And they're creating jobs, and it's exciting. The um, now I remember what I was um, the the how important was. Uh, Google as a distribution partner because that's actually how I found first out, found out about Zero. Um, uh, I mean, search is important, and but I think sorry, I mean like Google Apps. Uh, we wouldn't be driving that many leads through. No. Yeah, um, I think I think the thing that's worked is the um, accountants channel. So that's been you know the one thing that's really worked has been that we get seventy percent of our customers from that. So um, having the time, it takes a long time to get the accounting industry to move, but we've had that time, and now that's really paying off. Um, so that, that just took a long, long time to make that work. And again, you're selling the vision, you know, you're starting to sell alongside them, doing events with them to their customers, so they get the benefit of seeing it, and then we just, you know, we've, got to, we've had to deliver a lot of product for them as well. Um, so that's been the main strategy that's worked. And then, um, you know, we found so far that working, um, and this changes over time, but I think a lot of people thought that they own the small business um, market, and if they put other products in companion, so like, 
we're doing some um, some cool work with some of the telcos now, and it's probably now we think there's a much better chance of it working. But five or six years ago, we did some stuff with Telstra. It was too early. People didn't want to buy other stuff through their carrier. Um, but I think now a whole lot of things have moved on, so there's some good opportunity for some of those big brands. And so what we've been doing in the US, which is our latest market, is um, you know we partnered with Square because they've got you know millions of online customers, uh, H&R Block, Squarespace, um, Stripe, a whole lot of uh, parties. Um, so Google, the Google App Store is okay. I think we do okay out of that. Sorry, that's yeah, early yeah. on. That's how I found you. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I use Squarespace all the time too. Mm. Um, the how important? Uh, so obviously there was a big focus to what what I consider I guess is um, targeting in, the guys that influence in targeting the accountants. So the, you know getting the influences. Um, what about the startup community? How like it's you guys are active, you're everywhere. Has that played a role in your um, your game plan going into the US or these other countries? For you? Um, not, not, not really, because I think startups, um, I mean, it's good, so startups like us, and I think because there's lots of startups doing zero add-ons, that's been good, but it's not actually a huge vertical. We did the numbers, actually, there's not that many of them, um, but, and a lot of them actually don't spend money on software, though we think they should spend money on accounting software really early, because you want to track your expenses. And also what you want to do is especially important for shareholder loans. So you can start um, putting journal entries in every month so you can track the effort that people have put in. So when you come to do your first funding, you actually have it all sitting there and you, you can actually um, you know, either crystallise the loans into shares and do those things. So um, you know, I think it's just, it's just one, of, one of a lot of things that we do. I mean, we sponsored our startup bus um, for South by Southwest three years ago. I think we got one customer. <laughs> it's really hard. Like nothing works. No, you know, it's so hard to sell to small business. Um, it takes years and years and years, and you certainly can't spend your way to get there. And um, you just got to do do the heavy work, do the heavy lifting. But I think accounting software and business software, you can't trick people into it because they've heard a catchy jingle. Um, they actually do the evaluation and they go online and do reviews. So you got to be there. And then, and then um, the good thing about social and online is it amplifies the word of mouth. So, um, and, and that's a double-edged sword both ways. So I think that's why the customer service of these new generation SaaS companies is so good because you have to love every customer. The customer care queue has inverted and it's all playing out online where every customer has a huge voice. So, um, you know, I think you're just seeing these next generation companies that are very customer centric amplifying that word of mouth online and in the end of the day you know everything else you're doing is kind of augmenting that but that's probably the most important thing and what about uh, design I mean you guys are quite famous for uh, you know your UI and um, how important was design early on and, or was it just you happened to get a really good guy that, you know to do the front end kind of a quick break from the Startup Grind podcast for some recent startup headlines. Google is set to expand broadband and Wi-Fi access across Cuba, according to President Obama. A detailed announcement is coming soon. Reportedly, just 5-25% to 25% of Cubans have access to any kind of internet services. The announcement comes during the first presidential visit to the country in 88 years. Apple has announced the iPhone SE. It includes a 4-inch display, the same processing power and graphics performance as the 6S. It also has a 12-megapixel rear camera with 4K video support. Support. We'll also support Touch ID, Apple Pay, and live photos. The 16 gigabyte version is $400. 
The 64 gigabyte version is 500. The devices start shipping March 31st. Data analytics startup Domo has raised $131 million at a $2 billion valuation from BlackRock. Domo CEO says the app represents the company's target product since 2010, but required over $500 million in R&D. Domo brings together real-time data from virtually any business app. They've raised $665 million to date. Let's get back to the conversation with the founder of Zero. Yeah, so I think we, we always uh, were very design-centric, and I think part of that was um, came from when we saw this R&D by acquisition model, if you make your business look good, it, um, it just feels good and it's worth more. So even with Aftermail, um, that, that was good-looking stuff, and all of our marketing material was really good-looking. Um, and then we managed to, so we kind of knew that, and then we were really lucky. We had a guy called Philip Furlinger who was one of the founding staff, and he'd come from Disney and was fully into interaction design, nauseating to talk to. He was so design-centric. Um, but, um, and he's still with us. He's the most painful guy. Is this something Everybody knows him. He's the most painful guy, but he's brilliant, and he's so passionate. And, and what design is for us is not about making it pretty. It's actually um, about a process of finding these amazing insights. So, that, so the one that brings it home for us was um, we followed small business owners around. So back then, you know, a small business owner would open the door of the factory, go and turn on the Windows XP computer because it takes 10 minutes to boot up, go, go and um, turn on the jug, make a cup of tea, sit down, read the sports scores. And the first business thing they did was to go onto their internet banking and they did that, and we asked them, we followed hundreds of them around, which is a bit weird, and they said, um, well, you know, I want to see who paid me overnight so then I can pay my bills. And then we noticed they didn't process the data, so the horror of being a small business owner is coming back in the weekend to do the books. So then we said, well, what if we could get your um, bank transactions um, uh, loaded automatically from the bank? So you went to zero first thing in the morning, there's your bank transactions, we could gamify it, and, and no, no, one's finished, no one finishes anything with small business. There's always things to do. But at the end of doing your reconciliation, you're done. It's the first time you've actually finished anything at all, being a small business owner. And what we saw was people hating small business and the pendulum changing to actually loving it because there was a bit of gamification, but there was the satisfaction of doing it and you've eliminated this catch-up. That's been the first business process change for small business computing for like 20 years. And, and then we just keep looking for those other insights. So that's what design means for us. It's just rethinking um, and doing things in different ways. So now our bank reconciliation is something you do you know, every two months before your um, uh, BAS return is due. You do it every morning in bed on your mobile phone and you're completely up to date. And how, how important is the, the role moving forward? You said you haven't finished this product yet. You've got a long way to go. Uh, how important is it in the upcoming features and um, what's the company yeah. yeah, so I mean, so we you know, we have to balance um, doing the things you have to do because it's accounting software, uh, the things that customers ask us to do, and when we're driving strategy. And I remember when we started, we had a, a kind of famous New Zealander came and said it takes seven years to build a good business. I was like, ah, oh, we've done it three, it'll be easy. And uh, we're kind of seven to eight years into it now, and we've still got so much to do. But what's changing is we're kind of near the end of the beginning, and that we've kind of done a lot of the boring accounting bits. And now we're just having massive fun, um, uh, and we're kind of showing a lot of this at Xerocon in the next few days. Uh, we're doing the stuff we really wanted to do for years and kind of had to sit on our hands until we do the, the boring bits. So that's getting quite exciting. But what's the big thing that's interesting with Xero, there's a couple of points I wanted to make. One was um, um, 
we're seeing these kind of new types of social businesses. So when we started Zero, you know, it's about hey, we wanted to make life better for small businesses, and we knew that small businesses were the biggest contributor had a GDP, so if we could make them better at scale, that's better schools and hospitals. But actually we found it's much, much stronger than that. And I was here for the B20 um, just recently and for the youth, um, the young entrepreneurial um, thing that happened on the Saturday after. And like their number one issue was youth employment. And we're like, oh God, um, didn't know that was an issue. I mean, we, you know, we hire lots of young people and have internships and all of that, so we're doing our part. But everyone's coming back, no, youth employment's a really big issue. And I'm like, okay, well, we hadn't thought about it that really. We don't really see that. But as we started thinking about it, so, well, how, do we, how can we materially move the needle? And then so we started brainstorming as a team, and some of the ideas we have uh, rolling out later in the year is, and we, do, and we haven't done this yet, but um, we plan to do it, is, okay, well, why don't we first educate? If it's an issue, which it is, let's educate our 333,000 customers that youth employment is a major issue. Um, and that uh, these are, um, uh, so let's tell you about it. These are all of the legislation around a minimum wage, probation periods, all that sort of stuff, and educate them. We could even do some calculators of what it would look like. We could model what adding a young person would do, meaning, you know, inside your thing. So, and we could even put a challenge out there. Why don't, why don't people do it? And what we've started to realize is that um, enterprises like ours and with our staff inside have a very strong social conscience. So these are great for cloud companies. We would never sell our customers data because our staff would not allow that to happen. And our staff are very motivated. They don't just want to work for a company that's successful. They want to work for a company that actually makes life better for all. So um, it's interesting when you sort of start off doing these businesses, you kind of look up to government and you go, well, can you help me and all that sort of stuff. Then you kind of become a peer. And then actually you're like, actually, I'm not going to wait for you guys. We're just going to do it. And that's what's so exciting. I think we're seeing these next generation businesses that can materially make things better and have a, and just with the nature of the bright people we have working in them, have a very strong social conscience. So that's quite exciting. And the second thing, point I wanted to make, I think it's kind of interesting, is the software industry is really changing. And it's not about software anymore. The last generation of software was about people buying licenses. But this is actually in the cloud. It's about... Um, using software to um, uh, create an environment where you inure the value of your customers. So a good example of that now is we have, um, I was saying before, um, I think New Zealand businesses is about 450,000 of them. We have over a quarter of them now that, that, you know, that, that we look after. So that's a frickin' big number. And we're doing a, a project at the moment, or the government's doing a project where they're looking at spending 1.5 billion doing the New Zealand tax system. You know, there's only 4 million people. For 1.5 billion, we should also have the New Zealand space program. So, um, so what we've said is, why would you guys build a retail tax system? We already, you know, by you know, in 18 months, by the time you even get started, we'll have half the businesses in New Zealand running us. So we have to build all those forms anyway. In fact, any website you build is a compliance silo. Why not just publish the rules, um, certify that we uh, process those rules properly, give us the thinnest set of APIs that we can drop transactions into you, and um, people don't have to use zero. If you guys are going to say that you're not going to build a retail friend, and we do, we can stand up some free forms so anybody like they would today wants to file in their forms manually, yep, they can do all of that. I mean, that might save 500 million out of the project. So we're just seeing this new opportunity now where there's very capable companies of scale that are changing the relationship between business and government. And like we're at the table with the work that Chris is doing and 
in Canberra, I mean, I think the guys have been with the ATO today, we're actively now helping them be much more responsive, hit their goals of reducing compliance, take massive cost out of their budgets, and, and do things a whole lot faster. So we're moving from just being software companies that are just about getting people to sell our stuff to actually materially making the world better. That's quite exciting. <laughs> Sorry, a rule seemed appropriate. So the, well, this kind of leads in perfectly uh, to what's next for Zero, uh, and please go ahead and talk about ZeroCon a bit as well at the same time. Yeah, so when we um, started doing ZeroCon, and the first one had 25 people, um, we thought, oh, one day it'll be in multiple countries, and it'll be multiple days, and there'll be a trade show, and international interesting speakers, and dodgems, and uh, <laughs> it's happened. It's hilarious. So to come, you know, to to um, Australia, and um, you know, last year was huge. We had a thousand people at dinner. I think we got over thirteen hundred people, and it's not really about zero anymore. We're there. We create this um, uh, awesome environment, but it's actually about the eighty-three add-on partners that are displaying, and we will give them their sales leads for the entire year, and it's awesome. So you're just seeing this really. Um, uh, beautiful ecosystem where those flywheels are starting to move. You know, no one wants to be sold to, so we'll give them some good, give the accountants some good content, but basically then date them up with these great business applications which can uh, change things. So, so that's exciting. And for us, um, you know, we do two or three, probably two this year, big zero cons, and they're spaced out. So, you know, our team's been working really hard for the last few months getting all of our demos together. So it's a little bit like, um, um, an Apple conference in that we get to present you know, what we think is the future and some stuff that no one's asked for but we know that this is just going to be game changing. So for us it's just a huge opportunity to um, show innovation and get people excited about it. And that's, what, that's what's cool, I can't wait to see the people's feedback on Twitter. Because we, you know, we're very needy, we need constant positive feedback so that's what's so beautiful, we'll show the stuff. Do you like it? Yes! And then it's good we're going to do more. Well, and then on to, can I just talk about the US for a minute? So I think this, this is how long it's been since I've interviewed Chris and uh, Stuart, who you acquired. Um, you guys were just going in, I think it's Ian, um, can't remember his last name, Fax, anything? Ian Basin, yeah. Yep, getting set up in San Francisco, this was your first move to the US. How is that going? Yeah, so it's still really early. We had an annual meeting a few weeks ago and we just explained to everybody. I mean, we're getting a little bit pinged at the moment. The share price is down, and we, and we didn't have a very there was a there was an analyst report that came out that wasn't very positive, and it was like, don't you guys get it? So um, there's still this bias in the in the world that um, big companies have got their shit together, and they really haven't. I mean, we all know that as startups, and the premise that um, these incumbent companies um, are well geared up for competition just isn't borne out by any history. You know, Microsoft's really struggled to move to the cloud. Uh, Apple's struggled to move to the cloud. Um, and the, the, the market that we compete against has never really been the tier one of companies. They're good, solid companies, but it's not where people go to, to change the world. And what we're seeing now is these um, unencumbered um, new companies that are pulling you know, top resources out on a much faster growth curve. Everyone has shares. And talent isn't in the big businesses anymore. It's going into these um, high growth companies. So it's not even really a fair fight. Um, so what we've got to do in the US, I mean, it takes, it takes a while. You know, we have the saying, you can't put two men on a woman and have a baby in four and a half months. It does um, take a bit of time to um, 
just let these things play out. And you know, we've done our full attach to Intuit, our big competitor. It's great having, um, you know, we're blessed with great competitors. And then um, you know, there's uh, lots of enemies. Enemy is your friend partner. We've done that. Um, you know, what we've demonstrated, I think, is we can partner with anyone in the world. So you know, making good progress on all those things. Probably the hardest thing is 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 hiring from. Australia and New Zealand into the US, and I must catch up with the Atlassian guys and see how they've done it. It's really hard to, you know, San Francisco is a very competitive environment, and um, man, people get paid a ton of money up there and, and all of that. So I think, you know, we, we're kind of cracking through that now, but you don't have the right to, you know, you know, bring in the, 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 the super awesome people right from day one. Um, what you end up doing is getting really good enthusiastic people that understand the industry, good industry insiders that see it coming, and they'll go to a certain period of time, and they're probably good up to sort of 20 or 30 people, but the skills to run 100 to 1,000 people are quite different. So as you sort of go through each stage, then you kind of bring, bring new people through. So we're still really building our, our leadership team uh, there, and that's looking okay. Um, and also we've had to really focus on Australia and UK. I mean, we've just passed 100 million annualised revenue, which is awesome, because you think it's so hard going from naught to 100. It's infinitely harder going naught to 100 than 100 to um, a billion. It's just maths now. Um, but um, uh, we've passed that at 80% growth rate, which is best in class of, of all the SaaS companies. So the, the, the premise that you know, it's not, zero is not going to be huge is kind of nuts, but there is a sort of bias that all, oh, you know, Intuit's going to turn around and fire their guns at you, and, you know, not really. What's it like coming into the office and, and hearing that Forbes gives you this number one most innovative company? Um, yeah, so the, uh, we work a lot on awards and that. That one we didn't know about, um, and uh, so that was just a nice bonus. So the, the problem is it's kind of the multiple of your value. So you could also, the cynics would say, oh, most overvalued stock, good one. Um, but what we did, what we do is you just use all of those opportunities and amplify them. So, you know, most people wouldn't understand. It's just a game, right? It's like the, um, uh, the magic quadrant, it's all a game. And you just use all of these opportunities to build your brand. So the number one issue we have in the US is no one knows about us. So, you know, we're obviously doing all the tricks and all the stuff to, to do all of that. And the great thing with New Zealand, uh, Australia and the UK cranking, we're going to do 80% growth for the next X number of years, which all means that, you know, we're just going to be a valuable company doing that. But it gives us the time to get the US right. And the US is a very different market. It's very conservative. And um, we were trying to work out why aren't the accountants into this cloud thing and why aren't they becoming virtual advisors like Australia and accountants are? Well, actually, because they get sued. Um, they're very careful. If you're an audit, if you're providing audit services, you, you do not provide advisory services because it's a very a litigious environment. So the transition, like we've seen in Australia, of accountants moving from compliance to actually being sort of virtual CFOs, like you know Deloitte's and Deloitte Privates are doing here, and heaps of our partners, you know that's five years away in the US. So, but it's still the ones that flip are still a big market. So it'll take time, and good things take time. It's exciting. Well, I'm going to, um, not going to open up the question, we've got this beautiful app slider now, so um, top questions here. You mentioned that you become could become an expert at anything in one year, what should a startup CEO be an expert at? Um, I think startup CEOs are better if they're technical, and an example of that is I was in the audience watching Bill Gates once, and somebody asked him a, a issue about a compiler, and he you know, geeked out on that for a little bit. 
And then at that time, this is quite a while ago, they asked him about the Asian um, economic crisis. So they started talking about that. I think if you're technical, you can always you always see the general stuff that's going on, and you kind of think in terms terms of systems. If you're general and not technical, it's really hard to get down and be technical. So I think you know not being in a hurry and building your technical skills um, is is really important. In the early days, what were the most important drivers of new customer acquisition? That's a good question. And today? Yeah. So in the early days, it was hand-to-hand -hand combat, and you, you know we'd win it. We'd uh, you know, we'd run out of the door, Hamish would go around the legs, I'd go around the waist, pull people's credit card out of their pocket and force them to type it in. I mean, it's really hard lifting when you don't have much of a product at the beginning. And then, uh, then it was, once we did that, then it was all about leverage. So even though accountants were like, oh, this looks pretty good, we'd say, well, can we do a seminar to your um, clients? So you don't have to do anything, we'll just come to your office, you invite some people. And that was part of starting to get the one-to-many. And then it, what happens is you get the one-to-many-to-many, -to -many, which is where we're at now, where um, you know, we do events to many accountants at the same time, and those accountants are all talking to many customers. So really trying to drive those network effects. But you've got to start off with hand-to-hand -hand combat to get your first view, get your reference study, uh, case studies. In fact, just on that, one thing we did with Aftermail, because uh, we didn't have, didn't have a lot of uh, money to put into it, was... Um, we, uh, so Aftermail was an email archiving solution. So, and I had, um, when we started the business, we had this really cool sales guy, this, um, uh, this uh, older South African guy who was the funniest thing. He had a funny thing for everything. And I wish I'd sort of written all of them down. But he, um, uh, and he walked really fast, which has sped my walking up considerably, walking around London with him for two years. But, um, but what we did was we said, well, um, why don't we, we need to build the product, so we're at, you know, we thought we were at version one, but we were probably version 0.6. So what we did was we actually said, let's sell 10 of them before we even get started. So we had enough for a demo, and let's sell um, you know, five to five private companies, five um, uh, government departments. Let's say our software is going to be worth like 50 grand for the sort of size they would have. Let's sell it for $20,000 with no maintenance for three years, and... Um, pay us when you're happy. So we actually managed to, so we sold 10 of those, so we had 200 grand's worth of revenue in the first month. No cash, but we were able to send um, an invoice, and then we actually had 10 live sites that we had to make work, so we had to really rapidly then make the code up to sort of version one level, and found a whole lot of other things. And then we had 10 case studies, so it didn't actually matter what price we sold it for, we just made it a sweetheart deal and took all the risk. So we kicked off 10 customers and had 200 grand of book revenue from day one, which was really cool. The next one, I kind of touched on the UI side of things. Um, You've done that one. But this last one, like uh, talking about progress of zero as a software server against the likes of Intuit and stuff. So let's talk about your competitors a little bit. And has there been a knock on the door, just out of curiosity? From the Intuits of the world and, and your old buddies at MYOB? Um, uh, yeah, probably more in the early days. It was pretty obvious that we could have um, flicked out, but that's not what we, we, not what we wanted to do. We actually want to build a long-term global business. Um, but um, you know, we've already you know we're the leading on we're the leading accounting software provider in New Zealand by a long way. We're the leading online accounting provider in um, Australia. We're the leading online accounting provider in the UK. So you know, um, MYB kind of hides uh, um, kind of hides their numbers, but 
We're very confident. We're well, well ahead here. And in the and Sage is a public company, so they have to put their numbers out. I think they're about ten or fifteen thousand UK online customers. We're like fifty thousand, but that's less than one percent of the market. So you know we've already beaten the incumbents in the markets. And we've already done what Intuit hasn't done in twenty five years. We've won outside of the US and in those markets. So you know we feel pretty good about that. Well, let's end on that. I want everyone back on. The